This is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield from The Lynn Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Michael provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is Mike Mansfield with The Wealth Puzzle. And always, as always, here, Tony Shore. Tony, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here uh, today. I'm excited. I'm fired up. We missed a week. It was very sad. I, you know, I had all of these important things to talk about. And then I'm like, oh wait, we're not going to do it. Aww. So here we are. Here we are. We're ready to, ready to try again. So Thanks for thanks for being here, my friend. Yeah, it's another gloomy day here in Ventura. It's uh you know sixty degrees in the middle of August. So, um, always always fascinating weather here. The um, well, hey, it's kind of funny. I had a bunch of uh, economic data. I'm all fired up. I want to talk about all these things, and and then a little a little uh pinprick in my balloon of excitement kind of popped and brought out the air, Tony. Ugh. So, you know, it's funny is I, you know, I, I honestly, I don't check it very often just because I'm focused on creating the show and whatnot, but I had a friend, um, hit me up over the weekend and say, Hey man, what was that weird review on your podcast? And I said, what are you talking about? And I look it up and Tony, I think we're, we're victims of, of algorithm bots on our podcast. Yeah. They, they, they finally got us. Yeah. I read the review Um, and it looks like it's probably a bot because it's, generic and really didn't apply to the show that it was reviewing well that's what was funny is it was talking about some like this is like the you know extreme republican you know podcast and honestly we hardly ever talk about anything politics my my politics are my client's best interest right i'm a fiduciary my job is to from a political standpoint evaluate which things i think would positively benefit my clients in retirement that's there's my politics right right and um you know, it was funny. I even went back and listened to the show where the review was from. And it was during a time period where we were just kind of regurgitating a lot of data on the coronavirus and just giving the recovery rates and all those numbers and all those things. And I don't know, I guess the, the, the bots thought I was being too friendly about it because they said that, whoo, I was just spouting all kinds of mean stuff. So anyways, uh, the takeaway from that is if you listen to the show, if you like the show, if you appreciate the time and energy that Tony and I put into the show, I would love you to leave a written comment on there, a written review. You know, write your opinion, and that's okay. And we would we would appreciate that. That'd be awesome. So Tony and I will go in and write our reviews after this. I don't know. <laughs> what, 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 what my name come up? Mike loves his show. That's what I'm gonna write. Yeah. <laughs> No, you don't want to all week. You're right. Right. We're not going to write our own (laughs) reviews, but we encourage our listeners to write reviews uh, as long as they're uh, honest and heartfelt and not some bot. Sure. It's just auto auto posting. Um, But so we are going to talk about the economy. And so I know, and I got to I got to tread lightly. Right. I don't want to make anything sound too optimistic because I now get in trouble for that. So, <laughs> no, hey, good news. No, the good. I'm going to I'm going to talk in a sad voice. I got some good news, guys. <laughs> okay. good, the good news. Maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll trick the robot. Sure. The um, but look, jobs are being created. 
and at a more accelerated rate than what was expected. In July, the numbers just came out. Payrolls rose almost 1.8 million jobs in July. Now, in and of itself, that sounds phenomenal, right? These giant job creating months, but we have to go back in time. We lost like 30 million jobs. So it's, it's, it's a nice piece of news in something horrific, right? Right. But in July, we had almost 1.8 million jobs created, which is fantastic. It means that things are working, whether it's government programs, whether it's small businesses, whatever's happening, jobs are being created. And honestly, they're being created at a much more accelerated rate than what was expected. I don't remember what it was, but I think it was something like they were expecting, you know, 1.3, 1.4, and we got 1.8. So certainly more jobs were created than were planned on. That also brings the unemployment rate down. Remember, the unemployment rate skyrocketed. Oh, gosh, I'm I'm, I'm getting old and forgetting things. It, it landed, what? where did it land? Maybe just over 15%. And then, you know, we we're expecting it to go closer to 20%. But ever since it hit that high mark at 15%, then it fell to 13%, 11%. Now it's at 10%. Granted, we have a long way to go, my friend. Right, Tony? We, you know, there's still a huge amount of recovery, a huge amount of problems. But this is good. At least it's happening a little quicker than expected. We're coming off of the worst GDP quarter. The second quarter here was the worst GDP quarter record on record in the history of our country. Annualized, it was, what, 32.5%. The GDP declined. That's huge. You know, the, the worst one time before that was 10%. We blew it out of the waters, off the maps. Now we're in the third quarter. GDP is improving. You know, I follow a lot of economic websites, and so far they're estimating third quarter GDP could be positive 15%. What a what a blowout number. The problem is, is you know, you get the best from the worst. So things are just still sour pickles, my friend. Right. Yeah. But hey, week over week, new people filing for unemployment is down. That's good. Week over week, people renewing their existing unemployment claims is down. Those things are very positive. That means that there is some level of activity happening in the business world. That is really what we want to see. You know, it's funny. Week over week, I was looking at a high frequency economics. Week over week, box office receipts. Uh, you go into the movie theaters up 140 percent. Now, ironically, it's still down 99 percent from a year ago. <laughs> so, right, it's still anemic. But all of a sudden, there's this just these little micro shoots of positive activity. You know, it's very interesting. There's a lot going on, my friend. Oh, gosh, I have a whole, like, long laundry <laughs> list of economic data. And it's like, I, after reading that review, I just, I feel like a jerk. Like, sh I, I should be trying to find the, the bad in all of this. But honestly, I see so much positive in this stuff. Look at cars. Hey, uh, we just had the worst financial crisis of most people's lifetime, right? Wouldn't you be scared to death to do anything? Of significance financially, yeah. like buying a car, buying a house, doing anything like that. Right. Home sales year over year are up. You know, yeah. Home sales are up more than they were in February before the crash. Yeah. Home sales, home sales are, are way are just up. Going nuts. Yeah. The real right? estate and, and, market is huge. Of course, I you have to attribute yeah, that though. Low interest rates are really driving that. I think. Well, there's a lot there, right? So low interest rates is a big component, but there's also this this psychology event that's happening too where people are saying, remember, there's a there's a renewal, of, a new vigor in wanting to be at your home, right? Because yep. you have to be there all the time. You have to homeschool there. You work out there. Everything that you outsourced into your community, 
you now do at your home. And so there's been this big push, I think, for people to actually reevaluate their living situations. And because of low interest rates, it's easy to want to go buy a little bigger home so that you have the space for your homeschool, for your home gym, for those types of things. So there's just a lot going on there. Now, car sales, you know, it seems like you'd be scared to buy a car, right? A lot of uncertainty with this stuff. Yeah. So uh, let's see what the numbers were prior to. So going back to February, all these numbers are annualized. So when they look at monthly sales, they annualize it. So in February, annualized car sales were, were expected to be 16.8 million, right? That's selling a lot of cars. By the end of April, it was basically in half. They were saying annualized 8.7 million, right? The auto industry got destroyed basically in a six week period, right? Just crushed. Great. That was a great time to buy a car. The problem is who wanted to buy a car in the death thralls of a, a recessionary pandemic, right? As of July, the numbers just came back out annualized. They're back up to 14 and a half million. I mean, they're, they're basically back to normal. I mean, it's incredible to see that, no, people are just kidding, man. They're out buying cars. They're making it happen. Maybe they saw the good deals. Maybe, they, you know, the, the auto industry is trying to, you know, push low interest rates, zero APRs, that kind of stuff. Whatever the thing is, just like the housing, people are buying a lot of cars right now. And the reason that we bring up that stuff, Tony, is it's about optimism, right? If you as an individual are scared to death financially of how you're going to deal with all this stuff, do you think you go make big purchases? Like, oh, I'm scared to death. You know, I'm going to go buy a new car. No, you don't. You say, oh, I'm just going to sit tight and wait, right? Right. So the fact that there's this acceleration in home buying, acceleration in vehicle purchases, all of that, ironically, on certain levels of the economy, do speak to some kind of consumer confidence. Because if you were scared to death of everything, you wouldn't be out buying big things, right? You'd be sitting on your hands, laying low. Well, a lot of people aren't. It's it's very fascinating and, and honestly, in some respects, confusing to me. Yeah. Because I, I'm a I'm a I'm a numbers nut, right? right. So I'm kind of scared all the time, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? How are we gonna figure this out? This is getting kooky McLukey out here. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm fired up, man. Yeah. Well, that, you we should be. Here? I mean, obviously there's some great indicators out there, and it is good that home sales and car sales are back up and really strong. That's going to help yeah. the economy. And I think that's a good sign. Obviously with low interest rates, uh, it's encouraging people to do things like, uh, you know, buy a new home, refinance their home. And if, when yeah. people refinance their home, they usually get extra money to do what to do, you know, uh, other things too. So obviously, uh, you know, home projects and remodeling, it's huge right now. Everybody's, everybody's has these big, uh, home improvement projects going on right now that I know. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's incredible. And then even to like rehash the, I was just talking about the jobs numbers a second ago. Remember in July, it was 1.76 million jobs were created. You know, what's interesting is as of that number, we have now recovered roughly 40% of the jobs lost in March and April. You know, it's still terrible, right? Still 60% of the jobs are gone. People are out of work. It's still horrific. But at least there's some signs of life. At least this is kind of rehashing, re-improving itself sure. a little bit. Sure. And they're talking about, though, and I don't know, uh, this can be good and bad, but 
they're talking about a new stimulus package, a few more trillion yeah. dollars. And so uh, it's bad on the side that, you know, the government's going to print up some more money to try to push things along. Uh, right. But good if people need it. But, you know, there were a lot of. No, it's. Interesting. It's a, it's a, there. it's a tough debate, right? And so the analogy that I would use if I was thinking about my own situation is if, if one of my children got cancer and I didn't have enough insurance to, we'll say, cover the whole thing, you know, would I be willing to rack up a million dollar of three million or five million or $10 million bill to save my child's life? And honestly, the answer is yes, right? I would, I would self-sacrifice whatever I had to to save my child. And I think that's kind of the analogy of what's going on here is, is right, wrong, and different. Cause trust me, we've all got opinions on this, but right, wrong, and different. There are a lot of people suffering. And in many respects, it's not those people's faults, right? The, the government mandated shutdowns, you know, the governor's mandate shutdowns. It, it's things that nobody saw coming. And so as big brother who mandated these things, they're saying, Hey, look, we're going to spend the money. We need to spend the money to keep the individual intact. And we'll just have to deal with the consequences once we get this all under control. Um, so it's a tough one, but you're right. They, so they're working on extending the unemployment. Um, but remember there's still millions of people on unemployment, right? There's still a lot of people out there hurting that still need to pay their rents, mortgages, you know, what happens if they go into default? Are they going to be, you know, foreclosed on? Are they going to be kicked out of their houses? There's a huge amount of social issues with all of this right now. And it's a it's it's a very unique pickle to be in. Right. Because this started with a government mandate to create it. It didn't start with just a bad economy, bad business decisions. It started with a, hey, we're going to click the pause button in the universe and, you know, kind of the responsibility of being able to click that giant button is you got to pony up and take care of the people that you, you hurt a little bit here. So it's a bummer. You know, it really is. I, you know, I have a very, very good friend who, who does basically labor crews and sets up live events, the things like the Coachella festival, the LA auto show. I mean, you know, massive events. It's a big business. He employs hundreds of people. Well, how well do you think that's doing right now, Tony? There are a lot of a lot of Coachella festivals going on right now. Nope. No. And so it's funny because is that necessarily his fault? Was it because of bad business management, poor decisions that he suddenly himself and all the employees he's responsible for suddenly have no work? No, it's it, this is just a a bigger issue. And so, you know, it it's a tough balance of trying to find the responsibility of how much big brother should step in, you know, and that kind of stuff. But it's crazy times, my friend. There's a lot of people suffering. There's a lot of people struggling. And we got to be careful with that. You know, we got to take care of our own. Right. So, ah, anyways. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, obviously, uh, we need to be paying attention <clears throat> here. But when it comes to our listeners' own personal finances out there, uh, a lot of people do have concerns. And they do need to be looking right. at where their money's at, how it's invested, that type of thing. So, uh, and you have some advice for them there and they can contact you, right? Well, everybody should have a written retirement plan, right? If you're anywhere close to retirement or thinking about it, we need to talk. We need to create that cash flow analysis. We need to come up with the decision-making things of what is your taxes? What does the inflation look like? 
I'm, I'm not to go on a side shoot here, but think about inflation, right? The government is directly injecting billions and trillions of dollars directly into the hands of us, the people. That will create inflation. So all of a sudden, something that hasn't really been a major issue for the last decade could suddenly become a major issue over the next number of years. And so how well are you immune against inflation adjustments with your retirement income? How well are you immune from tax increases in your retirement? Think about it. We're spending trillions, right? The 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 budget deficit this year alone is like a, a $4 trillion gap. Now, once again, Big Brother's spending a lot of money, but the takeaway being is, how are we going to pay for that? The, the government has really limited ways to ultimately get money, right? Right. <laughs> to pay for stuff. It's kind of interesting. So these are things that you need to plan for individually. These are things that you need to be vigilant about individually. If you don't have a written retirement plan or if you have one and it needs to be reviewed, just call me. 805-500-7035. That's 805-500-7035. You can visit our main website, thelindgroup.com. Lind is L-Y-N-D. But just get a hold of me. We'll go through it. It's no cost. It's complimentary. We'll make sure your plan's in place. We'll make sure it's intact. It makes sense. All right, Tony. Okay, so that's that's round one. The round one is what do we got? We got some positive economic data in a world of negativity. So that's that's good. We want that's what we need, right? We gotta win. What is it? You, you gotta win battles to win the war. And at least in the in the recent round of battles of economic data, they're positive. We're winning these little battles. We're getting more job creation. We're we're getting consumer confidence back up. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on to be happy about. I mean, manufacturing data just came out. Everything is beating expectations at the moment. Interesting timing. <clears throat> on the other note, I'm a advocate of taxes. I talk a lot about taxes, a lot of my meetings with clients, how we invest your money, how we organize distribution, such as timing, social security, things like that, to me are all about taxes. I mean, even when we create an income plan to create a cash flow to avoid, for example, paying high premiums on Medicare Part B, that's another tax. It's a penalty tax if you make too much money because you don't create an efficient tax plan. So, there's a lot of ways that there's tax inefficiency, but the latest one that I'm working on is, is now tax proposal, right? You know, there's a lot of tax proposal floating around right now based on politics. I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm just <laughs> going to talk about proposal, right? Tax proposal. Okay. And the only reason I'm bringing this up, Tony, is because I had an, I had a case study that walked in last week. I had some people come in, uh, existing clients, and we were spending some time talking about their legacy. Now, these people are kind of lucky people. Um, down here in the Ventura Keys, you know, you live by the ocean. You got a boat dock in your backyard. It's pretty fancy. It's pretty nice. These people bought their house down there a long time ago. In fact, so long ago that they only paid $100,000 for a house that is probably worth about $1.5 million. Does that seem like a pretty cool deal? Yeah. Shake your head, everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody thinks that's a cool yeah. deal. Now, what's funny is these people have five children, you know, right. so, you know, I've got four, they got five, so they beat me. It is a mix of, of boys and girls here, but the way that it works is they've paid off their home. Their house is worth one and a half million dollars. And so if something happened to them tomorrow, their kids, right, they get to divvy up the house, right? So each kid gets a $300,000 inheritance. 
Now, Tony, quiz question. If you got a $300,000 inheritance, does that make you rich? Uh, you rich man? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. doesn't mean that it's not nice, but it's certainly not making you rich. Um, what it's doing is it's probably helping you maintain your own middle class income. Maybe you yourself could pay off your own house, something like that, right? You know, help your own kids with some college or, you know, it's enough money to feel good, right? And say, okay, cool. That was helpful. Yeah. All right. Another quiz question, Tony. Today is the day of quizzing Tony questions. Oh, no. When we talk about the middle class, where do you think the middle class keeps most of their wealth? In which asset? Um, Any guesses? Well, I would say in their homes or their 401ks. Woo! You nailed it, my friend. So the majority of wealth for most middle class people is held inside of their home. You know, we've all got a 401k. We've all got some savings, things like that. But it's it's the, that house that says, oh, my gosh, look, I've got, you know, $300,000 of equity, whatever the number is. Most people hold their wealth in their home. These people are kind of in that situation, you know. Even though their house is worth a lot of money, most of their wealth is inside their home. And so if they croak tomorrow, based on current law, each kid gets three hundred grand. And like I said, I don't think that makes those children rich. I think what it does is it provides them the ability to hopefully maintain their own middle classness, to maybe pay off their home, pay down their home, help the kids, whatever the thing is. So... One tax proposal. So the the reason the kids all get three hundred grand, Tony, is because of something called step up and basis. You ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but uh, refresh my memory on what that is. Step up and basis. In simplicity, and we'll use the house as the example. This applies to other assets, but in this example, um, the children, if they get the house via mom and dad dying, yeah, they get to inherit it at fair market value instead of what mom and dad paid for it. So instead of inheriting it at a hundred grand that they paid, they get it at $1.5 million. So there's no tax liability due on what the asset grew on for a long period of time. Right. Now, some people would say, well, that wait, really? That's a thing. It's been around for decades. I imagine most of my listeners have honestly already benefited from this, right? Because you inherited your mom and dad's house, you inherited their stock or whatever the thing was. Most people that listen to this show have probably already benefited from this law. The reason the law exists, in my opinion, is really two reasons. Step up in basis. One is, without step up in basis, for anyone who actually has a decent amount of assets, so a little more high net worth, they're also subject to a state death tax. And so what you would create is a double taxation. You'd tax the gain on the assets, and then you'd tax the total assets, and you would basically just destroy people. Um, so to avoid double taxation on estate taxes, they created step up in basis. So that's part one. Part two is also, you know, the people that aren't subject to estate taxes are commonly more the middle class, we'll say. And once again, this isn't about making people rich. This is about keeping people off of the government dole. So if you can give your kids a little amount of money and keep them scooting down the road that much further, the hope is they don't then require different levels of government benefits, um, you know, welfare type things. Same exercise of why life insurance is tax free. So, okay. Nice. So let's say well, so let's say we get rid of step up in basis cuz this is a proposal that has has come up for the fall here. And so what I was looking at is I was looking at my client's situation and we were drawing on the whiteboard. So at the moment, if they were to lose step up in basis, the gain on their house would be taxed at 23.8%. That's long-term capital wow. gains rate. Wow. 
So that right there is a $333,000 tax bill Ouch. for their five kids. Well, yeah, but I'm also in California, Tony. We got we can't forget about old CA, man. Uh, we got to keep yeah. them happy. Yeah. So you're looking at approximately a $140,000 bill um, in California. So between these two things, it's almost $500,000 in taxes on their house. So now these five kids, instead of getting 300 grand, they get just over 200 grand. They just lost a third of their inheritance. Once again, on the opinion that that even when they were getting the whole thing, it wasn't making them rich. It was just helping them down the road. So mom and dad, you know, we're talking about this on the whiteboard and they're like, that's that sucks. <laughs> you know, we, we worked and saved our whole life so that we could give something to our kids. And to see each of them lose one third of their inheritance in one fell swoop simply because we croaked um, is a little painful. And I said, well, that's funny that you say that because it doesn't stop there. And so the next phase of this is, is if if the decedent is a high income person and, and they would be considered a high income person on the event of transferring this asset because the gain on this asset would throw you into the highest tax brackets possible. The new proposal is anybody who's in the highest tax bracket, instead of being taxed, remember at that 23.8% I said, they'd be taxed at 43.4%. Whoo, what just happened there? We just basically doubled the tax for these people. Yeah, ouch. So now they're now they're now their federal tax bill due on their house before they give to their kids. Just the feds is a, just over 600 grand. They still owe the California tax. Mm. So they just lost half their house. So now the kids' inheritance just went from three hundred grand to one hundred and fifty grand a piece. Each kid just lost fifty percent. Jeepers. Well, you say jeepers, but it's like this is the stuff that's being proposed. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to say who, where, why, because I get in trouble for that. <laughs> um, so I would just encourage everybody to you know Google stepped up basis, look at the proposals, consider how these things might impact you. Yeah. Because this is the subtle, boring stuff that nobody ever talks about. And to me, remember, I'm a fiduciary. I have one job, and that is to look at how these things impact my clients, impact their legacy, impact their wishes, and try to make decisions that will help them. And I have to admit, Tony, this stuff is scaring the heck out of me right now. Because mm. all of a sudden, just based on what I described, this person has the potential of losing half of their inheritance to their kids. Now, let me complicate it one step further. This is full-blown, goofy time conjecture, but just for the sake of argument. Because there's a double taxation in the sense of if someone qualified for also estate death taxes, estate death taxes are assessed at just 40% of an asset. They could care less if you owe money on it. They could care less what you bought and sold it for. They just look at your asset. So if for some reason... They abolished the state tax exemption or they dropped it down to nothing or the people had other assets where this house put them over the limit. Certainly not the issue right now, but I'm just doing this for fun time. Let's just say in a very goofy scenario, they were subject to a state tax on this house in addition to this higher tax I described. The estate tax by itself would be 600 grand. Plus they owe six hundred grand to the feds. Plus they owe one hundred and forty grand to the IR or to the state of California. So blah blah blah. A hundred and fifty one point five million dollar house in the worst of scenarios would net one hundred and fifty grand total to all kids, dividing by five, 
Each kid gets 30 grand. They just lost 90% of their inheritance. Ouch. I realize yeah, that, that was totally confusing. It was totally goofy. Um, well, the hope is if they do get rid of stepped up basis, what they do is they go reform a state tax law anyway, so that they don't create a double taxation. That's just beyond jacked up. Um, but in any case, the point is, remember my job, fiduciary work in your best interest. What are things that we're trying to do for my middle-class client, my normal client who has so much wealth in their house, I am truly running paranoid right now trying to, I, I explained this to a client the other day, a different client. And they're like, okay, Mike, well, what do we do about it? I was like, why? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the funny part of the show. I mean, this, this still has to be approved, passed, you know, legislated on, we'll say. So we could be talking about something that never comes to be. But these are things you all need to be aware about, especially if you have like me, I've got four daughters. I want to protect their inheritance as much as I can, because I know I'm not going to make them rich. But if I can at least help them down the road and help my grandkids down the road, what else is there, man? What? Why am I working so hard? So anyways, like I said, I realized that was confusing, but the takeaway is everyone should be doing their homework. Everyone should be considering these things. This stuff is real. Right. And bada bing, that, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. So good show today. A lot to think about. And obviously when we get into taxes and taxation and how, what it means to you, it can cost people a lot of money if they don't understand it, but there are ways right. uh, to minimize that tax burden. And I know you work with your clients uh, to help them with this. So if our listeners out there have questions before we go, let them know how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. Give us a call. 805-500-7035. That's the easiest thing to do. Pick up the horn and give us a call. 805-500-7035. Or certainly visit my main website, thelindgroup.com. Lind is L-Y-N-D. You can submit your information. You can see all our ugly mugs on there. But hey, there's a lot of good things going on, even though we're in a full-blown world of negativity right now. So just be patient, be practical, and everything's going to be A-okay, my friend. But hey, we love our listeners. Any um, reviews, feedback you can give us, please let us know. Otherwise, we'll be back uh, same time, same place next week. All right. Sounds great. And that does it for today's episode of The Wealth Puzzle with our host, the only, the one and the only... <laughs> Michael Mansfield. Thank you for listening to The Wealth Puzzle. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Michael Mansfield at The Lind Group. Call 805-500-7035 or visit them online at thelindgroup.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by the Lynn Group Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of California. Insurance products and services are offered through the Lynn Group LLC. The Lynn Group LLC and the Lynn Group Advisors LLC are not affiliated companies. Lynn Group LLC the Lynn Group Advisors LLC and Michael Mansfield are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.